0: Clay is the self-described greatest Doctor <laughs> Who fan of all time. Uh, can you
1: self-described tell me? <laughs> by you, you mean?
0: <laughs> the self is uh, a difficult thing to determine if you're using multiple speakers. Um, mm. People say that this is a Doctor Who episode, and they mention the mm. TARDIS frequently. Um, mm-hmm. do, you, do you want to explain what the relationship is there or why people would say such a thing about this one?
1: Well, um, not only does it involve a temporal Cold War, but the ship that they pull in is bigger on the inside, which is the hallmark of Doctor Who's transportation, known as oh. the TARDIS. Yes, I would
0: never have gotten that on a Jeopardy question. I've never watched yep. Doctor Who. I don't think, or at least I've never I've never seen enough to really make that connection. I didn't realize it was such a specific thing. I thought it was just the uh, the general look of it. But I, he flies around nope. in like a telephone box or something, right? So there's no, yeah, yeah.
1: It's a police box from the fifties, I think.
0: Okay, police box. Yeah. Okay,
1: and it's uh, that's the thing. Everybody who's new to the show, characters who are new to the show, take a step in, and they in some some
0: variations say it's bigger on the inside. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Well, we're talking about future tense, obviously. So let's take a break after I've been educated about Doctor Who. We'll come back. Clay will give us more tidbits about how this is more like Doctor Who, and then we'll continue with our analysis of it. So it's future tense. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back.
1: If I had a chance to see the past, I'd jump at it. I always wanted to meet a stegosaurus. He'd probably make a quick meal of you. The stegosaurus was an herbivore. Seems like we were just in here. If I could travel back, I know exactly what year I'd pick. 1588? How'd I know you were going to say that?
0: I think we're spending far too much time together. (laughs) Future Tense is the 16th episode of the second season, aired on February 19th, 2003. It is the 7th of 13 in the temporal Cold War arc, which is kind of shocking that we've had seven, although maybe a lot of them have been like this one, which it is only tangentially related to the Cold War, uh, written mm-hmm. by Mike Sussman and Phil Strong, directed by James Whitmore Jr. In University State specifically is unknown, but it's 2152. In this episode, Enterprise finds a small craft, apparently from the future, adrift in space, and both the Sulaban and the mysterious Tholians are intent on retrieving it. What a strange episode of Star Trek Enterprise I found this to be. Um, yes, really weird. It's really strange. It had, it had things that I like. It has things that I don't like. And even Mm -hmm. some of the things that I like had components of it that I didn't like at the same time. (laughs) And it was, um, it was, it's just so strange. It's just strange how hesitant they are to say that the cold war is about anything. They're, they're refusing to be like, They're refusing to nail down what the Temporal Cold War is. They just don't want to do it. So they'll have episodes that mention it, have a whole bunch of stuff connected to it, have weird little side trivia events like everyone in the future is fucking and everyone has DNA from everybody because everyone's just mixing at a a drunken party uh, platter or whatever. But... It's it's just
1: so the federation in the future is one giant key party. It's it's
0: one it's it's one swinging party from the fifties where you know or the the sixties maybe would be a better decade. But yeah, it's um they just don't want to grab the thing with two hands and it's almost respectable in some ways. In some ways, it's narratively obnoxious. Uh, it's mm. even more obnoxious because we know it's never going to go anywhere because everyone tells us that it's not going to happen. But what do you think about this one? Um. <clears throat> You know, I don't know. I think I liked it. Um,
1: I, I think I liked it because it actually, it involved the kind of story that I think I prefer from Enterprise, which is uh, the the deep space exploration element, and they come across this unknown craft that they have to look into, and there is a secret kind of twist to it a little bit. Um, and I actually, I actually thought the, the battle at the end was pretty good. I really liked when they showed up, uh, they made it to the Vulcan cruiser and the Vulcan cruiser had already been disabled. Yep. That was nice. Yep. Um, but yeah, the temporal cold war, I feel like they keep dancing around it because they, they know that it doesn't really make a lot of sense no and one wants to take, tried, no one
0: wants to take the first stab at trying to lay out what this yeah. is exactly supposed to be
1: the minute you start to try to describe this someone in the room goes wait a minute and then it kind of unravels from there um yeah i don't know i like i didn't hate it uh it could i kind of hope that they it, i kind of wish that they had taken one further step towards doctor who and uh Phlox, during his examination revealed that the the pilot of the ship had two hearts because Mm -hmm. all the Time Lords have two hearts. (laughs) Um, But I I, I really liked the Triangle people, the Triangle ship people. Tholians, yeah. Tholians? Yeah. Because I really liked their weird, screechy language, and I liked that they were described as non-humanoid. It kind of had a bit of like a Lovecraftian kind of vibe going on, even though you never saw them, but that was just what I pictured in my head. I pictured like the old
0: ones or something. Yeah. Yeah. the Tholians have been seen before in TOS. Oh, they have. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, not by me. Let's put it that. The, way. the Tholians are indeed non-humanoid uh, in their portrayal in the TOS episode. Uh, they're like 60s psychedelic alien. Like they have. It's. They look like they look like a crystal, basically that has like incredible sort of like psychedelic lights going on around it. So it's it's, it's, sure. it's you can't tell what they really look like, but they talk like that the same way that they talk here.
1: Sure. Um. Yeah, I like that stuff. I, I think you kind of end up in the same problem that you do with these temporal Cold War episodes when they refuse to define stuff. Because you get to the end, and you kind of go, "Wow, oh, that was weird." Like yeah. that's what everybody in the show, the, every all the characters. That's the only thing that they can really react to because they don't know what the stakes are. They don't know why these things are being fought over. Who these people are, why the Sulaban are all of a sudden like helping them out. There's no real movement story-wise.
0: Um, or why the Thol- the Tholians are now implicated to be a part of it in this one. That's that's the the, right. the key addition is that there's another race that's doing the same thing that the Sulaban are doing, and they don't like yeah, each
1: other. Yeah, it's it's like the the temporal war is the NWO circle like 1999 WCW, yep. and they just keep adding members to it, and it's like cool. <laughs> Now
0: we need a Hogan blank drop to just to just set everything straight. Yeah, straighter. now now
1: now Brutus the Barber Beefcake is part of the NWO. <laughs> That's crazy. What are they going to do next? Oh, Macho Man now? Wow. What's the NWO? You don't know what it's about? They don't have like an ethos or anything? Okay, cool. Um and the the uh the localized time loop thing I liked as a concept.
0: It's but so I cool. Don't, and it doesn't do anything. It, <laughs> it, does, it does it's nothing. cool,
1: but it makes absolutely <laughs> no sense whatsoever. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know how on earth you could possibly jump back into time while time is still moving forward.
0: Outside the room, time is moving. is yeah. moved forward. Yeah. Well, it seems to be outside of like a five
1: foot radius. Sure. Because once they get away from the ship, it seems to be fine. But it's it's a cool idea. But um, I don't really. It doesn't make a ton of sense, unfortunately.
0: No, that was my uh, thing for... It was a cool idea that I hated parts of it. It's just so... Mm-hmm. It's so insignificant. It's just a... Yeah. It's just a scene to have because you're in a time plot episode where you mm-hmm. have the characters repeat the little bit of time that they've done. I always... I'm a, I'm a sucker for sequences like that where, you know, they, they learn that they... They realize that they've had the conversation before and about the... the ta- yeah. Reed and Malcolm. Probably... Probably the fastest one I've ever seen. Yeah, they they, they, they got, where they catch on very quickly. <laughs> He's like, I've never talked about Stegosaurus eating people before. Why? Why? Yeah. Why? Have this, we
1: must have it talked ca- about this. Cause and effect. It takes them like fifteen yeah. tries before they realize what's going on.
0: No, they. Uh, it takes three in in this one before they realize, mm-hmm. and then it's three again for Archer and Reed disarming the bomb. I guess, which is th- that one's probably the worst case because it doesn't even really. It doesn't set them back. Like them right. losing time doesn't right. cause the bomb disarming to be delayed in any sense. Right. It's just like, well, we have to do it again. Let's just keep going through this.
1: And it's, it's really weird to have a, a localized time thing like that when you are also on a timer. Because right. yeah. when they get down there, he's like, how long is this going to take? I don't know. I think four minutes. Well, it better not take any longer than that. Three times later, so they're into like the 12th minute. Right. So do they, but the they actually have right, so. yeah, did they actually have 15 minutes? Did Archer actually budget in this actually happening? Does he think that far ahead?
0: Probably not. It's another no. it's another Archer episode of um flying off half cocked about what he thinks the right thing to do is he's he's very sure about I, what the right thing to do in the temporal cold war is.
1: I did actually like him quite a bit though. His approach I I I liked he's good in this one. I, I do yeah, think he's, he's strong. Yeah. He's got this mysterious ship that he's found that has a human on it seems to be possibly from the future and then people just start showing up demanding it and i like that he was kind of standing his ground being like i uh, no i'm not going to give this to you so why don't you back off although i didn't <laughs> his threat didn't really hold much water when he's like why don't you call up uh, what's his name? The Sulaban guy. Yeah, and tell
0: Talk to Silic. Silic. Tell Silic, Talk to Silic. Over here. Yeah.
1: Talk to Silic about what happens when people threaten me and they were just like can we just shoot this guy? Let's just shoot him. Let's just shoot his old ship with his our space weapons.
0: Yeah. I I even like the um well I I like the I love the setup to this one. I I like these kind of like pseudo mysteries and you called it a deep space adventure because it's a it's a great hook of like wait a minute how the hell did a human get out here like what's what's going mm. on I would ultimately have maybe preferred the mystery to have been less temporal cold warry I probably would have preferred that as a solution to be like cuz that's kind of a neat mystery about like where the hell did this guy come from and what's he doing out here I like that they link it to they potentially think it's uh Cochrane Zephyrin Cochrane which yeah, is a cool that guess cool. that Archer yeah. makes and it, that actually fits all kinds of continuities there which is just kind of a neat connection for them to make um, but outside of that it's just the I really love the setup and the strangeness of it it's sort mm. of creepy it's kind of a creepy thing when they turn the corpse around that's creepy obviously but the whole oh, yeah. the gist yeah. of what's going on in here is creepy I love the fact that it's like the TARDIS as you explained that when you go in it's this whole other area that they can get to that they're not sure how that's working it's all kind of strange and mysterious and then you know almost to its detriment it doesn't they referenced Daniels a few times, but they don't bring back Daniels. He doesn't come back. Right, he doesn't add right. anything to say. I thought I thought he was going to be the corpse. Honestly, apparently, the original ending was of this was that they meet a temporal Cold War agent at the very end who beams in and takes the corpse and ship, and they say, "Who is this guy?" And he says, "It's me," and then leaves with it, and it's Ooh, kind of this like sort cool. of strange I like thing. That but too. Th- they don't they don't bring any Cold War looper. Yeah, they they don't bring any cold war agents into it which do you think that's a problem or did you like the way that do you like it just archer on his own not having to have daniels lecture him about what's going on i don't know it's just that i i can kind of see the mystery vibe of the early goings not being solved by an agent showing up but at the same Mm. time it doesn't it doesn't feed into a, a a better mystery or resolution at the end where I'd be happy without an agent showing up. So if they go so heavily into, Oh shit, the Tholians are on the side of somebody in this temporal war. Let's all run away from them. At that point, I kind of want Daniels to show up and explain what the fuck is going on. At least to just Mm. give me some information about what I'm supposed to take away from this.
1: Yeah. I, um, I like that there's no temporal cold war agents for the majority of it because I like, I like the enterprise, and Archer being stuck in the middle, literally in the middle of this thing that they don't understand. That they they they're involved in, but they don't know what's going on and they don't know the parameters of what's happening. I think they I think they don't lean on that uh secret future sports almanac they have in Daniels' room enough <laughs> as they should. Because it's all uh, surprised
0: that it's there. Yeah. Yeah. If
1: if if I had found that ship and then looked at that log and saw that the ship was in there, I would continue the reading the chapter to see yeah. what else would they would said about it.
0: But um, Archer I th- Archer's well, the, the, we have to talk about that thing before you get into it. But Archer sure. has not told anybody about that thing because T'Pol is surprised by it, if I'm remembering properly. But he also he didn't secure it beyond keeping it in the room that's locked up, but you know, like he, right, he didn't, right. he didn't try to hide it or anything like that. or be like, only my eyes can see this. I can't have, I can't have the future be spoiled by people looking at this. I can't compromise the timeline. I'll keep it under my pillow and I'll read it at night, but it'll just be me. Um, he, he just says he, he just conveniently picks up from where it was left off in the first season episode where they locked it in the room and he goes back and he unlocks the door and goes in and, and finds it and they look at it. But uh, you can go off of that. I also need to talk about: Is this episode hinting at Paul and Archer having a sexual relationship? <laughs> is that what is that what their time together is supposed to be getting if, at?
1: If they are, they continue to do it very clumsily. Um, just jumping off the last thing. Go ahead. Uh, as far as an agent showing up, this feels like I, I feel like the X Files really figured out how to do that in their show where they they do the episode where Mulder gets thrown into something he doesn't understand and ends up getting knocked around by these two larger powers and then ultimately at the end they'll have like the smoking guy show up for like maybe 15 seconds mm-hmm. or like one of the one of the guys from that realm like mr x or deep throat or something to be like you're part of something a lot larger than you could possibly understand mr Mulder. like that thing where they have someone who represents the larger thing give you a little 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 tiny piece without explaining what's going on
0: yeah and just to confirm basically to to confirm that this is actually what's happening
1: yeah so i don't i don't think they needed uh daniels or whoever to show up and, and explain everything but Maybe if they had had a scene where, like, I think I think having that guy show up to grab the body and then he says, it's me, I think that would have been fucking great. It yeah. would have been perfect. That's just, he's not explaining anything. He's uh, making it that much more interesting. Yeah. He's really um, just
0: confirming that there is some larger piece yeah. at play here because there's no confirmation outside of Archer's previous knowledge that there is such a thing as a cold war, that that's what's going on here. The Sulaban don't say it to him. They don't say that this is any, This they don't say the mysterious humanoid guy told us to come and get this. The Tholians don't say anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really just the fact that Archer knows that this is possible. And honestly, I, I mean, honestly, it's kind of an, assumption on his part to believe that it must be Cold War related. I guess all time travel at this point he thinks must be Cold War related because he hasn't run into any other kind of uh time travel. But mm-hmm. um You know, it, it, it it's also a little bit frustrating that it's not it's a, it doesn't seem to be sinking in. Like to Paul still insists that time travel is not possible. And <laughs> it's like to right. Paul, yeah. this is I don't know how many episodes we can have where someone comes from the future and proves that they're from the future yeah. and then She's-
1: She's really taking the Scully angle, where she like Scully just watched a guy turn into a werewolf, and she's like, I still don't believe that's possible.
0: Right? It's it's a disease. It's it's not it's not a magical mm. uh, lupus infection or anything. It's just something else. And but the topal thing hinting, I don't know if that Tapal thing is supposed. It's like it's some. It, it they play at her uh, difficulty in believing, and Archer is wanting her to believe as a kind of like sexual dance that the two of them are doing. I don't know if it's intentional, but every scene between them is just he's, he's is also just talking about, I bet I can knock up a Vulcan. I bet I can't like you just, just give yeah. me the chance and I'll do it, baby.
1: Yeah. That was uh, that one bit where they're looking through the, the time journal and she's like, I don't think we could reproduce. And then they're like, <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, we can't reproduce. Right. That's not what I mean. What I meant to say. I don't, uh uh, like they didn't do that obviously but like that's that's the the vibe that it was supposed to be and i didn't i didn't think it was very effective or uh (laughs) clever or anything do
0: you think do you think i'm honestly could go either way i could be convinced either way are they hinting at a sexual tension between the two of them in this or is it just a friendly conversation that is sexual in nature therefore it seems like they are talking about themselves
1: i honestly don't know because the any sort of weird sexual stuff between them is so few and far between that I can't – it doesn't read like it's an ongoing storyline. It just seems like in-the-moment awkwardness. Yeah. It's tough to say.
0: Yeah. I, I'd probably lean 60-40 towards it's just they are coincidentally talking about something sexual and I'm imprinting on it. But I, I think the the script is just hinting at them having a conversation about it. I just don't know – if it's not sexual in nature or about their own sexual frustrations, I don't know what the point of them talking about this is. I guess it's just right. to show that in the future, uh, all the s- species are going to be interbreeding at that point, so there is room for their growth as a Vulcan mm-hmm. and human alliance. But well, there's
1: also it's also got the tongue-in-cheek prequel aspect of indirectly talking about Spock. Sure.
0: Right? Yeah. 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 Yeah,
1: cuz it's like, oh, there you I, a Vulcan mating with a human. I could not. They would they would laugh if that ever happened. That's
0: true. It's a
1: very important part of Starfleet. I actually
0: <laughs> miss. I didn't even think about that. I was just mostly thinking of it was kind of a a clumsy way to show that in the future humans and the Vulcans do become closer. Like it's a mm. it's the temporal cold wars foreshadowing of where things can go and that's one that's one aspect of the guy coming back from the future that I really like that they don't even hit all that hard is that uh, this guy just by his existence proves a more cohesive future for everybody mm-hmm. no one even comments on that which is kind of interesting like I'd love to have um I'd love to have like Soval in this episode and have him just be confronted with this not that I want Soval in any more episodes but I would like to have yeah. someone just say to Soval like what the fuck do you think of this you idiot Um, yeah yeah i i I liked aspects like that i i almost wish there was more of the mystery of dealing with the guy i mean honestly the strangest thing about the guy is that flocks just keeps a burnt corpse in the middle of sick bay just sitting on the table (laughs) forever Uh, i wish it was just more about him it's not gonna fit in the fridge i guess no it's it's but it seems that's the prime bed that's where all the patients are sitting so he doesn't have much going on in sick bay i guess maybe
1: he's using it to freak out uh, Hoshi, when he's like Hoshi, come here, look at this. Bah <laughs> Just
0: um, cause another Mayweather injury.
1: Well, actually, uh, well, I was gonna say, nice to see Mayweather in this episode for once. Yeah, he does uh, his job too. He flies the. Uh, I he think flies the ship. I think this would be a, this is another episode where they really dropped the ball, not having Mayweather be a temporal agent, because Mayweather having some sort of subplot re- revolving around this thing and Archer talking to him about it. And maybe ultimately, Archer trying to find another solution where Mayweather is like, "We have to blow this up," or vice versa. I think that would have been really interesting, interesting way to handle it. Um, yeah, they just don't the temporal Cold War thing. It just doesn't mean anything, and it's so <clears throat> it's so nebulous that whatever they do with it is only interesting and uh, engaging to a point. Like having the having it just disappear at the end, and then they're like, "Well, it's not a question of where it went, but when it went." Like, yeah. yeah. Okay. okay <laughs> sure. It's like, <laughs> well, I just turned it on. Well, the temporal Cold War people could have studied it for a hundred years. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Whatever. Um, I think the problem with the way that they're doing it, though, is. Uh, it kinda did you see that Rick and Morty? We've probably talked about this before. The Rick and Morty episode where they do the time travel thing where it's like the snakes all come from the future and it just it's I don't just think time so. travel upon it's from the most recent season. It's okay, really no, good. Then it's, I it's basically it. uh I think I'm pretty sure uh Harmon does not care for time travel as a story device. Sure. So it's just a extrapolation of why time travel doesn't make any narrative sense. Yeah. And so it's like one group goes back, then the next group goes back, then a third group goes back, and it just keeps folding in on itself until it just kind of destroys itself. And I think that's the problem is that there's no parameters on it. We don't know what's going on. We don't know who is doing what, why certain people can go back in time, why others can't, why the Sulaban seem to know everything, who the triangle people are, why they know everything. It's yep. just it's hard to it's hard to really care about it except for the fact that Archer is, I think, pretty convincing in this one because he's sort of placed in the role of the audience member who's got this mysterious thing that everybody wants, and he just wants to know what the hell's going on, so he's going to
0: hang on to it. Yep. So that, that I think, is what makes it work. Yeah, and his, um, <clears throat> I think it's a nice character sort of uh beats or whatever for him that it's it is human the the occupant is human so he says this is my business basically mm-hmm. like it's, it's not anyone else's and i i like him when he sort of sticks up for um when he's the captain that is kind of like setting out there into the great unknown and he kind of tries to like stamp his foot down every once in a while and be like we, we get to do this too it, it is just a a chase sequence after that point it's another one of like a countless enterprise episodes where the, the enterprise is trying to run away but all the other ships are faster than the enterprise and can catch right. up to it um which, i know
1: it's 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 always funny where it's like archer puts like puffs up his chest and then he's like engage the grappling hook of mr mayweather it's like <laughs> what Archer. These guys have photon torpedoes and can cloak their ship. You're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna uh, your claw game them the to clawing. death.
0: It, it just needs those, uh, those characters from Toy Story. The alien should be the Enterprise. The, the claws. Yeah. <laughs> the <thing>. <laughs> no, <sorry>. no, <laughs> not the claw. Archer, Bakil um, has this funny thing too that I noticed. He does it a lot in this episode. He, um, he, he runs up to the person's station. Very funny and like hunches next to them. <laughs> he, he he. It's very physical where he he runs up to their comm and he like sort of like ducks down with them and talks to them or whatever. And it, he he does it constantly, no matter whose station he's at. It's it's the approach and the framing and the blocking that they choose to do with them.
1: I um I noticed that he's got some physical movement ticks that I feel like you could probably classify in the same category as Riker. Uh, straddling the chair to yeah. sit down, yeah. Because when he's in his quarters talking to Paul, those quarters have those like angular beams.
0: Yes, the uh, the the ceilings that go up at a slope, yeah. instead of straight up. Yeah.
1: So he, if you watch him, they cut away as he's doing it, but he's talking to Paul, and then when he's done, he does this really smooth like backwards turn and just dips his head underneath <laughs> it as he turns away so he's he whacked his head there. on that thing a thousand yeah. times right? i yeah. guarantee you he's whacked his head on that like a hundred times <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah yeah it's um i don't know if this is a good ep- we don't really have to talk about it here i um, i am finding enterprises design to be a little boring At this point, I, the show you mean like, yeah, the the way that the product, the way that the sets look and everything, the production of it, I I understand it conceptually that it's supposed to be the most submarine of all the ships because it's so Mm. early in the development of all that stuff. A lot of
1: silver and bronze. It's a lot of silver
0: and just a lot of like, what do they call it? Like modeled metal. Like it's not smooth gloss. It's just kind of like that, that texture to it. Um, kind of like someone took like the, the popcorn ceiling thing and like sprayed mm-hmm. it on it and painted it silver. Um, it's just, it's kind of boring. And when you have sequences in Archer's room and I find myself just looking out his window at the passing stars, and that's like the only thing that you can look <laughs> at. Um, do you have any thoughts about it, uh, its designed. We're kind of settling into the series, so you take it for uh, for granted at this point. But I I do feel yeah. there it's kind of a boring production set to to look at in a lot it of is, episodes yeah.
1: yeah i mean you know you've got everything is that same kind of blue gray color even the suits kind of blend into the background and the colors on the suits that aren't blue are kind of a subdued red and and yellow and whatnot um and the ship they find is another shade of gray yeah it's it's very <laughs> it's very it's very blue. It's very gray, and there's not a super ton of contrast generally. So it kind of it kind of all bleeds together a little bit. Even every unique, now and then,
0: unique locations like the mess hall are just a bigger mm-hmm. version of it. The, right. the thing that's special yeah. about the mess hall is it's just big. It looks exactly right. like every other room. It's just large. Yeah,
1: and even even uh, uh, well, I was gonna say sometimes they do kind of uh, dial it up a little bit. Like I love the shot when they go into Daniels's room, and you've got that nice shot where uh, uh, it's all it's all in shadow except for where T'Pol has stepped in and the yeah. Archer's in front of her. That was a really nice shot, but that's you know a high a nice high contrast moody shot that you get maybe once every couple episodes. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it, the the strangest thing to me is the the ship coloring because in my head when I think of sci fi shows from this era. The ships to me are colored all this like brown, ochrey bronze color, and I don't know why it is because they seem to all be that. All the ships that aren't Enterprise seem to be like brown. Yeah. Except for the, yeah, the triangle true. guys yeah. are like another different like gray color, but yeah. <laughs> the Suliban ships are brown. The Vulcan ships are brown.
0: Yeah, purpley. Other brown.
1: shows around this time I can think of. I in my head the ships are brown colored. I don't know why it's just a weird choice that they make it, but yeah it's it's not a very colorful show um and yeah I mean it's it's tough because at this point it's not like they've changed anything it, this design has been here since the beginning yeah but um yeah I don't know if I would say it's doing it many favors
0: no it's um I think it just amplifies the the workman like nature of so many of the scripts it's like mm-hmm. if i if the scenes are going on and i'm actually noticing the architecture of the room that they're sitting in it's it's the dialogue is probably not capturing my attention on the way that you sure, would expect it sure. so um not to say that it was it's bad or anything it's just i i still don't feel uh that the show has really settled into itself in a way that some of the other star treks uh, have or that you feel that there's a kind of um personality to them in mm. some ways I, I, I mean
1: you're saying it's it's meant to be more submarine like watch any submarine movie those are colorful ass movies right everything's lit, lit, it's got,
0: dark but it's lit by the red buttons yeah. everywhere yeah and stuff they've like got that.
1: red buttons they've got the green radar shit going on yeah. like, you're not just looking at i mean maybe das boat's kind of bland i haven't seen that in a long time but like if you watch Hunt for Red October or Crimson Tide or something like that. There's plenty of colors going on down there. It's it's uh so yeah, it's it's strange that this is so drab.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um I don't have too much else about it. We talked about the talked about the Cold War. We're at seven of thirteen of the Cold War. We're more than halfway done with the Cold War at this point. Um someone
1: they just keep passing that story stick around the room waiting for someone to commit, but nobody will.
0: I don't, yeah, it's hard to... I was going to say we could take a stab at where we would want to go from it, but I, I, I honestly don't... Like, I, I can understand the writer's position. It's like I don't I don't have anything here to work with. It's like we yeah. know Daniels, and we know that something has gone wrong. We don't even... At this point, we haven't even learned what the factions are in the Cold War in the future mm-hmm. of this. We we understand that the Tholians and the Sulaban are sort of helping somebody, but we don't know what else is going on, where it came from. The only thing that it's tying into now and it has nothing to do with enterprise is that because we're so close to where discovery ended up, I'm like, well, God damn it. Discovery. Like you got, you got to, (laughs) you have to realize that you have to solve this. (laughs) I would, if, if they,
1: if season three of discovery in whatever ridiculous back half plot they get into somehow ties up the temporal cold war arc from enterprise round of applause, (laughs) I will take back everything I've said about the season if they if they tie up the temporal Cold War.
0: That's all it is. It's just cause Reed and Malcolm have a scene in this one where they're talking about can you imagine what the thirty first century would be like? And yeah. I'm sitting there going, I well, know what it is like, yeah. I guess. I, I've seen <laughs> oddly
1: it. enough, oddly enough, it's still kind of gray. Yeah. <laughs> um I when they were talking about that, I instantly started thinking about Discovery. So it made me kind of not really appreciate the the theme of the conversation they were talking about because reed's like wouldn't you want to see what the 31st century looks like and 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 trip trips like i don't know i don't want to know how things end would you want to marry the woman that you knew you were going to marry and in <laughs> right. my head i'm like well if you're going to the 31st century you're not coming back right it's not like you're going there and seeing who won the world series for the past thousand years and then coming back and put putting money on it it's in my head, it's like no, you go there and you're stuck there. Yeah, but that's just discovery talking, I guess. In this conversation, it's like you take a quick jaunt into the future and come back.
0: It was. I thought it was. I thought that scene was actually a strange bit of writing because I wouldn't have pegged Trip as the super conservative. Yeah, I don't. I don't care about that. I just want to tinker with my engines and I. Mm. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe Trip is supposed to be that kind of a conservative I, minded person. But I, it struck I me as weird. It, yeah, you you would buy him that way yeah especially with those two i wouldn't have bought reed as the one who wanted to go forward i would have said that reed would have been the one who'd be like i don't see the need to do that if i haven't had my tea that's true yeah yeah
1: i could i guess it could go either way i was thinking i was thinking it's uh yeah now that you say that that probably makes more sense because trip being the engineer would you'd think he'd be more interested in technology technology um yeah, so I would say it probably makes more sense to flip them, yeah.
0: They, tink- they just had to kill some time and tinker with their device. My-
1: Got to have your rec- prerequisite uh, <laughs> d- discussion about <laughs> what it would be like to go to the future and learn things.
0: Well, the, the, the way that those two are written, it's just, I'm glad their conversation didn't devolve into, what do you think women in the 32nd century are like? Because it, it really feels like that's the way that they're going. Brandon, <laughs> why'd you cut that scene? <laughs> Brandon. It's 17 pages of 32nd century sex. You deleted Fade it. in. Fade in.
1: We flashed forward into the 31st century. Three tits as far as the eye can see. I Well, when they were talking about going back into the past, I was just imagining if that scene was like the two of them and uh, and Travis. And go so ahead. Reed's like, I would go back to 1508. What about you, Travis? And he's like, I don't know. 1978 at most. <laughs>
0: What do you think about that, Reed? That's an awkward moment for those two. Uh, yeah, um one of my, I just I have my few wrap up things. One of my favorite uh, favorite gizmos in this episode, they calls it like a micro spanner or something, and it's a yes. giant wrench. He just clamps on, <laughs> he clamps it onto the top of something and turns it. <laughs> I
1: actually just watched a Community episode where they were doing a Doctor Who riff. And I, I feel like they ended up using something called, like, the, the time spanner or the micro spanner or something. And it was all, it was a giant, like, hand drill. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it was very funny. For a, such a technical term, you expect, like, a little, like, laser that's going to, like, spot weld something. And he right. just clamps yeah. on and turns it like, like it's just a giant monkey wrench. Um, I guess that's it. Do you have anything else you want to say? Should we go to final thoughts? Yeah. Um, my, well, my my only thought about about where the the
1: the temporal Cold War is, I feel like the next if if not this episode, you know, we're saying like, well, what do you do? What can, you're halfway through your story arc here, whether or not they know that at the time, I don't know. No, yeah, um, I feel like at the very least, what I would like to know because they they give you a little bit of it here, where after the thing disappears, everybody kind of flies off, and they're kind of like, oh, why did they just let us leave? Um, I feel like at some point soon you have to know how the Enterprise plays into this because clearly from what we've seen in previous episodes, the success of the Enterprise or the, I should say, at least the Enterprise not being destroyed is right. key to whatever's going on. So I feel like you, ha- someone has to figure out or be told why that is to at least give you some sort of Something to grab onto with this story. Otherwise, it's just uh, a lot of people, you know, blowing in from each side, dusting things up, and then leaving, and you're like, well, I don't know who's going to clean this up.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I was actually, I was trying to think of where you could go, and I honestly, I don't really care about the combatants in this Cold War because I don't know what that has to do with anything, but I I would agree that you, you certainly need to know why the Enterprise is important or what it's supposed to do or... Uh, even whether or not it's good or bad that the enterprise exists because the suliban mm. saved the enterprise in one episode they saved him in this episode
1: too uh, the tholians show up to to blow the shit out of him the suliban end up fighting
0: them off but they they but they're not to save the enterprise though just to save the time vessel right isn't that that why they're oh, fighting sure. i think so it's yeah, six they, of one i they guess. were more directly in the first whatever that first suliban episode was we just remarked in that one it was confusing that the enemies are the Sulaban, but they save the enterprise right. so you' you're you're, right, you're right. in this weird thing where is the enterprise going to do something to help them, but now it seems that that's not the case necessarily so it would be nice to know what the enterprise is supposed to be doing out in this temporal cold war and to know what its uh its ultimate reason to exist is or w- mm. why they need it to exist
1: yeah man i I wish you hadn't told me the thing about Travis being uh a temporal warrior soldier yeah um <laughs> because that would man that would have fixed so many problems with this story it, it you know it's it instantly makes it more relatable you can have him doing things that he doesn't want to explain and then archer get like it's would it would it not be frustrating
0: a, to just have him going like captain i can't tell you that again you know
1: yeah but i mean you can write your way around that stuff yeah. it doesn't always have to be that
0: you know um I think we came up with a solution that once the timeline changes, you could argue that a temporal Cold War agent would have no idea what the future is any longer for them because yeah, they've adjusted sure. the timeline, and our Mayweather would not have any idea what would happen.
1: Yeah, I mean that that's super cool. I would I would be into that.
0: But yeah, and then at least that point, Mayweather has some skeleton of an understanding of what is potentially happening to the enterprise in that world. It would be, it would be especially if they. If they do, they do 13 of these episodes, if you're going to do that many, that's one-eighth of the total Star Enterprise episodes. Mm. It's a significant chunk. And to not yeah. have a, a character who's not directly involved in it, uh, and I don't need Daniels popping in every episode. I'm glad he wasn't in this one because I, I don't really care about that character. Mayweather right. would be a better choice. And you could easily forget about it when non-Cold War episodes are happening. Just have yeah, him totally. go back to it. Yeah,
1: if you um <clears throat> I like that idea of having the future change so he doesn't know exactly what's going on cuz that that gets you around him saying, "Oh, I can't tell you." And it also gets you around him knowing exactly what's happening every right, time. Right, right. He would yeah, he could so,
0: plot bust or anything like that.
1: Yeah, so if you've got if you've got a certain point where like his almanac stops and he now cuz things changed and he doesn't know what happens after a certain point, these people showing up, he can give you tidbits of, of who these people are and what he thinks is going on. But, you know, as far as he's concerned, he knows what his mission is. Right. His mission is that he needs to get the Enterprise from point A to point B or whatever.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, it would have, would have been interesting. Let's take Kind a of break. like uh, if
1: it was more like 12 Monkeys, you know, where he's, he's working off of, Elements that he doesn't entirely know what they're connected yeah. to. He's got right. ideas, yeah. but he's sort of trying to piece it together for himself, and then he ends up shooting himself in the past <laughs> <laughs> or watching himself get shot.
0: legit uh, As a young boy. Um, we'll take a break. We'll play a clip from the episode. We'll come back, read some patron thoughts, and give our final thoughts about future tense. The High Command has asked me to prepare a report on this incident with your permission. By all means. I wonder if they'll believe that humans and Vulcans will be...
1: swapping chromosomes one day.
0: They're more likely to believe in time travel. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash file. It's the best way to support the show. A couple dollars a month gets you extra stuff like extra podcasts, behind the scenes commentary things or the commentary tracks There's behind the scenes uh, information. There's the polls that you can vote on what we cover. We just covered Inception. It's out on the Patreon podcast feed. It's the number seven movie on Rotten Tomatoes, 150 greatest sci-fi movies, directed by Christopher Nolan. We talked about it for like an hour and 15. We're doing a DS9 revisit coming out this month. And there's like 80-plus podcasts on that Patreon feed for your enjoyment as the cars go racing down the street. Um, And a special thank you goes out to our Captain Tier supporters who are Christian Pouch, Dark Latif, Chris Tinsley, Mike Burnett, Sean, Cardinal Dunze, Joint Mango, Matt Cutler, Ben Douglas, Cal Barrett, Samuel Custer, Nick Sergey, Bradley Killens, Matt Ross, Rune Vendler, Nathan Elliott, Eric Johnson, Eric, uh, Andrew Cherlog, Grim Santo, Point Dexter g Dwayne Hackett, Paul Roscoe, Jordan Cooper, Derek Zajac, Kevin Reyes, Volter Teen Heroes, Stefan Minton, Nick the Rat, Darth Mosk, HH28, Magic Warrior 6, Jacob123, Mike Harris, Cheeky's Gamer, Patrick Seba, Captain Brazen, Kevin Lowry, Eric Juan, Corey Martin, William Scheisler, Zane Majors, Silent Blue, and Groppler John Zorn. Thank you very much for supporting the show. And as always. Did we lose? We lost uh, Jamie Farr, huh? Yeah, Kyle changed his name back, but uh, Farr was not for the long for this world, it seems. Mm. Uh, let's see here. The residuals still have not come in, so we, do, we don't know <laughs> what to tell you. Now we'll go to our patron thoughts. As always, if you're a $5 and up supporter on Patreon, you can leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes when we read them. Matt Ross says... Future tense, a weird spaceship and a locked door. Just shoot it, forget drills, and then lean in and sniff weird air. Doctor Who meets Enterprise, but at least that has a 2s reference on Cochrane. To Paul's consistent, holding onto the idea of no time travel after her brushes with it is a bit illogical, and then cause and effect light. Although Archer and Reed's slowness works for the time effect, trip slowness and putting two tubes into a device doesn't really work. All this was, again, pointless, not really answering anything. Two bores out of five. That's a conversation.
1: I feel like maybe they have had it with her. I maybe I can't, honestly can't remember. Like I feel like you need to have that Scully conversation with Tepal at some point and Be like, you keep saying things are logical or illogical. What is the most logical outcome of what's happening right now? Right. This is George Washington. <laughs>
0: He's not. We don't have holodeck technology. He's from the past. Why? Why is this the thing that Tepal is holding on to? the strongest? I don't know. It's, it's, it's a really weird, I I mean, maybe she's been very open in other ways. Other, other Vulcans are telling her she's speaking with a human accent and showing too much emotion. So she's, and I've noticed the change in performance and storylines with her as well. She's definitely softening towards the crew. She feels more at this point, at this point, I think it's fair to say that she feels more connected to the enterprise crew than the Vulcan society back home in a lot of ways. So it's weird that this one thing that the Vulcan Science Institute says is not true and she's been presented with tons of evidence that says that maybe they should reconsider what they thought before at least. Uh, She holds on to that very strongly, maybe with a a slight twinkle in her eye towards the end of this where she's like, maybe I will reconsider what that means and whether or not I'd like to have sex with you, Jonathan Archer. And then she walks out the door, but it's a strange thing to cling on to.
1: Maybe I can go back in time and be that Vulcan woman on Earth in the 1950s coal mining town. Um, I mean, I well, I think you can, you could drive towards what I'm saying with that conversation, where it's like she holds on to logic as as the uh, the ultimate decider about truth, right? So you present her with this thing, and she's like, "I can't believe this because it is completely illogical for right. this to exist." And then finally she has to admit that the logic is flawed in this case. And maybe its logic as a be-all end-all is uh, not as infallible as as the Vulcans think it is.
0: What's interesting about it is that it seems like the kind of thing that is primed to have the Vulcans treat it as though it is a group of sci-fi nerds debating how time travel works. Like the right, the, the way that right. the Vulcans would say it's illogical is you point out the plot inconsistencies with how is right. this supposed to work? <laughs> and that that works in universe, I think, and it also is kind of a meta contextual commentary on the show at the same time. I'm just her 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 feedback is always they said it can't happen, therefore it can't happen. She never gives a good reason as to why this can't be the case or what her other suggestion would be. I think that's what's missing from it.
1: Yeah, you think the Vulcans would have like a dark brown right. dist- <laughs> discussion of like timelines. <laughs> like those those things you can find online now that are just uh, timeline maps of, yep. of Star Star Trek through Kelvin and Discovery and You're stuff. Right, so where it all would just lines be one intersect of those.
0: with each other and stuff like that. Yeah, that's what that I'm would be say. hilarious if there was
1: one Vulcan character who – who came onto the show to explain why time travel can't work? And he would just sounded like a, an internet nerd <laughs> talking about why why Primer doesn't actually make any sense.
0: Right. right. He, he referred to them as uh, Terminator rules or yeah, just get a little clever. Call it like the T1000 model or something. Not make an explicit <laughs> reference, but just something. Point X to G says, future tense back to the old temporal Cold War. As ill conceived as I think it is, I'd rather I'd take this over the slog that was the first half of the season. This is really the better sort of the Cold War plot lines. I'd rather see Sulaban and Tholians fighting over future tech with the Enterprise caught in the middle instead of Daniels hanging around being vague. We still are getting no answers as to what the whole thing is about. And also, I have to say, it's bigger on the inside. Yeah, Good I, points, I, I think. I, I can't disagree with that. It's faint praise, but I can't disagree with it.
1: Uh, I think the thing that's that's weird about this this idea of a temporal Cold War is that By definition of how they're showing it to you, you are seeing time travel viewed through a third party. And once you start viewing time travel through a third party, it falls apart really quickly because the key to time travel working is that through the eyes of the time traveler, you see everything else change for that time traveler. If you're not following it through the eyes of the time traveler, then shit should be changing left and right if you've got 15 people going back in time looking for chips and shit sure. you know what i mean it's it's a lot harder to to localize your uh, narrative circle and keep everything focused because being a um, the outsider in a time travel story is either you see the time traveler exist and then not exist or you, everything starts changing around them so it's it's tough it's a tough nut to crack from that perspective
0: yeah it's. Uh, I think we've mentioned it before. Time travel works well. I, I think that they're using time travel in probably the least satisfying narrative way possible here. There's yeah. like no yes. connection to the characters on the show. So the time travel, if you just, if you just said that these people came from very far away, it kind of feels <laughs> the same thing. It's it's not like there's any relevance to the uh, the time travel even in terminator it's about whether or not you're fated to be somebody you know there's like a there's like an idea that links you to the time travel even if though john connor is not time traveling in that movie or that, yeah. that movie series he's he has to deal with the consequences of what it means that these things are happening
1: right yeah terminator is not about time travel it's about fate right and yeah. choosing your own path yeah
0: and that's here why, they're just that's why you
1: never, that's why they never explain the time travel in, right. <laughs> in Terminator movies. They just show up and they say, Yep, I traveled back through time. I can't do it again. End of story.
0: Yep. They knew it didn't work the, fir- the first time. They sent it back again <laughs> just to make sure that the timeline stays. Fine.
1: I, you know, I always found the explanation for the time travel funny because it's like, well, you can't, you can only transport uh, organic matter. So you couldn't you couldn't send a t eight hundred back right unless you wrapped it in human skin. So it's like, could you have stuck like a, 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 a localized neutron bomb inside like a turkey right, and then <laughs> sent that back in time with John with uh with Kyle Reese so he would have a future weapon?
0: Right. Yeah, because he says he can't. He can't. I guess it, I guess there's some uh, <clears throat> definition of what makes it technology or something that the Terminator is is not at that point. You know? Yeah,
1: this is why you don't ask these questions because it's <laughs> you don't you don't get answers that are satisfying. <laughs> they're just silly.
0: Maybe they're just made out of um, futuristic PVC piping or something. It's not metal. Yeah, it, sure. It would get yeah. through the smoke detector or the, uh,
1: And if I mean, is is there anything organic about the T1000? I don't think so. I think it's just. Liquid metal, right? So, how does he get sent back in time? Unless, and what's the, what's the, how much time has passed in the future between the T800 being sent back and the T1000 being sent back? Is it like an
0: hour? Do you mean between the movies or between the characters in one movie being sent back?
1: I'm talking about if you're, if you're in Judgment Day future Mm -hmm. and you've just sent Arnold back for what is the first movie, right? How long do the future guys wait? Before they send back the T one thousand, do they wait like fifteen minutes and like, well, nothing's changed? I, I
0: guess it would have to be instant, right? The minute you send them back and nothing has changed, you go, it failed. We got to send them back. Yeah, we got to keep sending guys back until it works. And if that's
1: the case, that means they had the T one thousand the whole time. Right? Why didn't they start with that?
0: <laughs> well, you do you don't wanna. That's the car you take out when the weather's nice. You don't want to just drive that right. thing around in the winter. Yeah. You, yeah, you got, yeah. You, got to, you got to throw out the Camry and let yeah. that drive around for a little bit.
1: Uh, point ex- also, how did they know it even worked? Because, I mean, nothing changed in the future. They could have just incinerated that T-800. Who,
0: who the yeah. hell knows? Yeah. <laughs> Alex Martin says, future tense." Temp- it's a flawed film is what I'm what saying. A, what a terrible movie. I feel like this, that's why it's number nine and Inception is better than yes, us, I think, right. obviously, on the Ron Tomatoes list. Because Inception explains everything except for the fact of why didn't he kill his wife in the limbo. (laughs) Alex Martin says, future tense, I feel like this episode had great potential as a mystery but was squandered by poor execution. I hate time travel episodes where they repeat the same thing again and again. It always feels like padding, except except in the case of cause and effect. That did it well. The TARDIS was clearly the inspiration for the time ship. This failed in advancing the temporal Cold War plot forward at all and came across as ultimately pointless. Two out of five. What if cause
1: and effect, the title was spelled C-O-S apostrophe, and it was actually...
0: Uh, if the, the they affect, kept, it's a, it's not effect, it's affect as well. It's just British British yeah. uh, language well, difficulties. I was,
1: I was going to say they keep jumping back in time, and they get a different era of Bill Cosby they have to
0: deal with. Lotte <laughs> well, Librarian says... Future tense. The show keeps telling us there's sexual tension between Archer and T'Pol. Ah, we're not the only ones who see this, but I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it at all. <laughs> I'd forgotten there was a featured database just hanging out in one of the rooms on the ship, which seems very dumb. The real question is, did they erase all of Phlox's data on the DNA? I see a million dissertations spawning from that, and maybe a pre-family reunion. Three Tholian squeaks out of five. You know, my favorite thing about <clears throat>
1: excuse me, my favorite thing about that ship. Is that they don't explore the entire ship, that they they go down into the uh, the TARDIS hole there, and they only get into that one section. and And Trip even says he's like, we didn't have time
0: to explore this thing. Who knows? They don't even the know what it is. I think yeah. he, he guesses it's the engine, but he doesn't know. Yeah,
1: which I which I really like because I think keeping keeping mystery to that stuff is always is always more beneficial. It's why the the juggernaut from, uh, whatever it's called, from uh, Alien is so interesting because you don't know what the hell's in that ship. You just know it's in that one, one, one or two rooms.
0: They almost react to it more believably. Well, they reacted to it in the sense of how when we were watching this recent season of Discovery, Discovery's future tech seems like you can just hop in. if It's 900 years in the future. Right. You can just hop on right. the comm and start punching buttons and you're going to get to where you need to go. Uh, mm-hmm. These guys have no idea what this ship is or how it functions or where anything is is on it they say and they're like it has the, the trifecta of things they can't figure out it has like no engines no door and no windows <laughs> and, and that's that's pretty much the epitome <laughs> of future tech that they've ever seen yeah Grappler John Zorn says, Future tense. this is the episode I can never remember even when I'm watching it, like when you find yourself rereading the same pages of a book because you've lost interest, which is maybe just you're going like back in time. localized time yeah, travel. Maybe, just maybe you've just gone back in time when that's happening. Mm-hmm. Or like when you're reliving modifying a torpedo with the most awkward guy on the ship over and over again. Too meta for me. In retrospect, I can't be blamed for missing the Sulaban getting killed in a throwaway line of dialogue. I can't remember out of five. The Suluban gets killed? Am I mis- misinterpreting that? For In retrospect, I can't be blamed for missing the Suluban getting killed in a throwaway line of... Di- I guess the ships get destroyed, but I... I the ships get blown up. Yeah, yeah. okay. Maybe that's I what I don't know means. about
1: the... I mean, there's one Suluban they shoot on the Enterprise. I don't know if he gets beamed out of there when the other guy leaves, but...
0: Oh, right. Yeah, they do come onto the ship, <laughs> don't they? Kyle Barrett says... Who knows? Future tense, Malcolm was so eager to explore the timeship because he misheard Archer say Zephrin Cochran as Zephrin Cockfun and this episode comes with a heavy sigh once you realize it's part of the temporal Cold War arc but it's actually pretty damn good. I enjoy Archer's frustration as he tries to understand what's going on, something the audience can relate to and those time distortions are executed well. There's a huge missed opportunity, however, by not introducing Berlinghoff Rasmussen, a future historian's timeship appearing in the 22nd century perfectly matches Rasmussen's story from a matter of time and with a few minor changes is this could be a great prequel to TNG's best episode. Nevertheless, it's a four out of five. He's talking about A four. Matter of Time, the TNG episode with Berlinghoff Rasmussen, who is a time traveler from the 32nd century.
1: That's that's not the one with the guy with the ponytail that everybody's in, in love with, right?
0: No, that's the outrageous Okana. Oh, right. Which is not similar at all, but... <laughs> <and> just <laughs> that was a that was an unforgettable episode as opposed to a matter of time which you've clear which we've clearly uh, not remembered uh and i just did Did a, i watch
1: that one? Did i cover that no, one? No,
0: you did not. I don't think. Okay. I just did a commentary track for it for the patrons last month or two, i think, too. So i just watched it recently. Uh Kyle gives it a 4 out of 5. Kyle's drunk. That's high. <laughs> or high, exactly. Uh let's see here. Captain Brazen says, Future tense, it's another po- uh, another poem I'm gonna fuck up. Tholians in a timeship, oh my, they all want the timeship, but not the dead guy. To Paul and Archer contemplate how humans and Vulcans might copulate. It's logical to assume someday one someone one day might try. I almost got through it. I did better that one. There
1: once was a man from the future whose penis was need of a suture.
0: <laughs> Flox entered the room to fall. <laughs> Uh, I can't go any more further. A low three. Okay, mystery setup mixed with temporal cold war shenanigans, TOS Easter eggs, and implications, in the continuing theory that Reed is so closeted that he will deny his intersexuality to anyone all the way to the thirty-first century. Out of five, so a low three out of five. Thank you for your poem. Two more. Nick Sergey says, uh, "Future tense." Though the temporal cold war is a mess, this episode succeeds on its action and suspense. Very cool to have the Tholians pop up. And even though a Stegosaurus is an herbivore, I would still assume we would make a quick meal out of me. Fun episode to watch, and the fun is lacking in discovery. Uh, Yarky, Yarpy says, "Future tense." One of the better episodes from the second season. Pretty fun time travel. Pretty fun time travel episode. And it's always nice to see Tholians. The time roof time loop is somewhat. Ugh, my brain. The time loop is something what that was probably thrown in by Brennan, uh by Braga and or Berman. Hey, Braga, if we can't have the big honkers, throw in one of those time loops. Audiences always love them. I might be overrating the episode a bit, but I'll give it four Berman jokes out of five. Did you see the
1: thing about the uh, completely intact Tyrannosaurus skeleton that they just found? No. It was apparently... I, I, I've been seeing this floating around. It's They they discovered a fossil of a completely intact Tyrannosaurus skeleton that was locked in battle with a triceratops. Oh,
0: I saw I did see something about that. Maybe I must have seen that story. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Where'd they find it? In America? T Rex is in America, I I think. Yeah. New Jersey. (laughs) Um Yeah, they always find they find um they find those occasionally when it's like a, something is eating something else and then they all got hit by mm. a volcano or something. And they all died at the exact same time.
1: I, I like to imagine it was some sort of Mexican standoff yeah. between the, the, t- the T-Rex and the Triceratops. And <laughs> like the, it was the, <laughs> the end of Reservoir Dogs, with, but with like five dinosaurs.
0: <laughs> and <laughs> Just get wiped out. That's it for the patron thoughts. Thank you very much, patrons, for leaving your thoughts and thank you very much for supporting the show. We're we'll going to add to our final thoughts here, Clay. What are you going to give this one on our scale of one to five? Uh, I'm going to give it a three. I enjoyed it. I I
1: think it's I think it succeeds as a hour of Star Trek television, despite it not being really that memorable or explaining anything or even really adding to the story that they're seemingly trying to tell. Um, but as an episode of Enterprise, I thought it was pretty good.
0: If in uh if in a year I remind you of this episode what do you think the first thing you're gonna think about is uh, the tardis probably yeah I, I think mine would be the time jumping scenes where yeah. repeats for some I know it's been done before but I found that really um, unique to this series at least like the second would be the the tardis looking down the ladder I think would be the mm-hmm. the thing that I would mostly remember but I won't think of it as a Cold War episode. I won't be like, oh no. That was a that was a good moment in that one. I wish I wish if they had to,
1: if they were like, let's make a temporal Cold War, they had gone back and watched some like Cold War stuff. Right. Yeah. So you can see like what makes that stuff interesting and engaging. Um and then throw like uh, flux capacitor on top, and there you go. You're good to go. Agreed. Tinker Taylor, soldier, DeLorean. <laughs> I'm a... Uh, I'm also gonna give it a three. Take tart to Soldier Spy. There we go. That's it. I,
0: I uh I'll give it a low three, I think. It's um it has enough moments in it that I, I found myself entertained by it, but it's uh mm-hmm. it's they can't go much longer without <clears throat> Honestly, I'm being somewhat easy on the fact that they're not doing anything with the Cold War. I think there's mm-hmm. a there's a rating. I would understand if someone said this is just unacceptable to have seven of these episodes go by and like no one has explained anything about what the Cold War is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And it's I don't think any of the Cold War episodes have been what a great idea that just happened to have a Cold War skeleton in the background. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They've all been pretty lackluster. So
1: yeah, it's it's interesting that they they did the. Um direct comparison to to well not comparison but the the direct reference to doctor who in this one because i am sure we talked about this when the temporal cold war thing first came up but um the the a a big centerpiece plot element of at least the modern doctor who i i don't know if this was a thing from the old stuff because i never watched the old stuff is the idea that um there was a time war between the, the Time Lords and the uh, Daleks. Mm-hmm. And in the process of that time war, the all of the Daleks got destroyed and I believe all the Time Lords got destroyed. But that element of time, that period of time has been locked out of time travel. I think I'm remembering this correctly. So no, no one so, can enter
0: that time period, right? That you can't
1: like go back and fix the time war or save the the, the time lords or something because you've been locked out of of going back there. Yeah. And so that it becomes the backstory, the modern backstory for for the Doctor because he is now the last of the time lords. Mm-hmm. Um, and they eventually dip into it a bit, but it's it's never something that comes up a lot. It's just like this element of his backstory of his tragic backstory that works because they don't explain it because i don't right. think i think it'd be very difficult to try and you know get into the ins and outs of a time war
0: yeah yeah obviously clearly there's <laughs> some things you don't need to step in that's it we both give it a three it's future tense it's the latest episode of star trek enterprise thank you very much for listening and supporting the show
1: as always but you tech can, war on the other hand you can write books about you tech can war. yeah
0: that's you uh, know Amazon. Kids
1: gotta kids gotta learn about tech war sometime.
0: <laughs> it's a, vaguely reminiscent of one of those uh those fifty different robots fighting each other shows that existed on like Comedy Central for mm. a good couple of years. Battle bots Has or whatever anybody, it's called.
1: If we have any listeners who have read the tech war books that William Shatner wrote, could you please let us know how they are or give us like a <laughs> rough <laughs> summary of what what we may or may not be missing because when we run out of star trek maybe we should just move to a tech war podcast
0: that yeah the chatner's name is on the cover uh right yeah well, i'll give, yeah, him, that. I don't I'll give he, him that much yeah um that's it future tense the next episode is Canamar. i think Canamar. so i'm looking forward <laughs> to that one um i think that's pretty much it for this, we are. We're done. So patreon.com slash if you want to support the show. Much appreciated. Discovery continues as expected on Friday. We're almost halfway through that season as well. Um, How would you
1: say the 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 time travel, halfway through the time travel season of Discovery stacks up against halfway through the time travel plot of Enterprise? Um, I think they're about equal, honestly. Yeah. As far as...
0: I was going to say that, alarm. but it seems like such an unsexy thing to say. But I think they are kind of they're both they're both surprised <clears> that you're both are surprising that we're halfway through it, and neither of them really seems like it has any kind of momentum going forward that I would right. that I'm looking forward to seeing happen. Yeah, that's too bad. I was I was also reading a lot, there was a lot of positive press on Discovery's third season, not positive press, but I was seeing people being like, you know, the third season of Discovery is not that bad. I th- I think it's a um. It's a, uh, what's the hostage situation? Munchausen? Oh, Munchausen. Stockholm. Stockholm Stockholm Syndrome. A little bit of a Stockholm mm-hmm. thing going on there or something like that. I would, yeah, pref- I I, would prefer know. to have someone Munchausen me while I'm watching Discovery. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very strange fetish you have. <laughs> we'll continue with Discovery. Enterprise continues as always. Clay, do you have anything you want to say?
1: Uh, we just had a new Rotten Horror Picture Show come out this week or it's coming out tomorrow. It'll be uh, out tomorrow. It comes out
0: Wednesday. 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 So yes, tomorrow from this recording. Tomorrow,
1: yes. Uh, where we're talking about 2017's It, the Stephen King adaptation, which is a a good time. And then next week, we've got a new badass getting ever closer to the end of season three of Batman the Animated Series before everything changes.
0: Mm-hmm. Exciting times in the podcast universe. You guys can find all those shows at thepenskyfile.com. Run Horror Picture Show and Badass, and you can search in all the podcast apps. It's obviously on the YouTube channel as well. Um, We actually,
1: I I mapped it out. I'm pretty sure this is the case. Uh, Our last episode of season three, I believe, will be the last week of this year.
0: Oh, good timing. It's always nice to start a calendar fresh. And then Discovery ends in January, I think. So a whole bunch of stuff coming to a conclusion in January of 2021. Is that right? Yeah, it's right, the whole, including, including this the awful current, year. current and the current presidents as well. Um, yes. Let's yeah. see here. All right, we'll be back with Canamar, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> is Panama a top five Van Halen song? Oh, easily, yeah. Hmm.
1: I mean, I don't know. It's probably top three, arguably. I mean, it depends how deep you want to go into the catalog, but. <laughs> I mean if you if you if you're out there going like, "Well, I mean Tiny Guitars is No, shut up.
0: Is it it's, is eruption a Van Halen song?
1: I don't think it's one you put on at a party generally. Mm-hmm. At least unless it's 1982, but Yeah. Um yeah. We, we can go for another hour and talk about it, Inhale it if you want. <laughs> that would can we do that? Can we do that someday where we finish the episode and then we just continue for like a solid hour? Just do five about minutes of Star else?
0: Trek episode and then just uh, <laughs> yeah. like fluff it out well, with something else.
1: Yeah, then you'd be you'd be entering into badass territory where we talk about the episode of Batman for roughly ten <laughs> minutes and then we talk for <laughs> sixty-five minutes about which Batmobile we like better or how much John Wayne sucks.
0: Yeah, I'll just, I'll go out with, um, on the Van Halen point, when Van Halen died, I listened to the albums, um, startlingly low... Samey? Well, th- they have a bad middle section, really. Yeah. Like the, I don't like the Hagar era. And once you mm-hmm. start getting into it, you're like, this is a very legendary band that I'm not sure I could fill a greatest hits with 10 songs and be like this is this is terrific i'm sure i could but it's not easy it's not like i'm bursting with songs that i would want to put on there Mm -hmm. and so many of the hagar era songs have love in the title that they all blend in together it's like why can't this be love how does it feel when it's love what's the love where's all the love everyone give me love it's all got love every song has love in it
1: and that's the one thing that you can't stand i don't i don't want that i don't need that
0: i don't need that fake full (laughs) place.
1: per per the uh the the I think we talked about this on the inception podcast um or maybe it was the last no I think the last discovery podcast how many of those van halen songs about love con- constitute songs real songs about They're love fake. They're all fake. They're no, all fake. None of them have
0: any bear, any bearing on what love is. It's just it's just someone going how do I know when it's love? It's just something you feel forever. Yeah. I
1: I I did uh I listened to a bunch of it as well. Um, and I realized that they have it. I I'm I'm I like the Hagar era more than uh than I think you do. Yeah. And if we really want to have this discussion, we got to get Dave on the podcast. Yeah. Who, who too. likes the Hagar era? Who loves yeah, the Hagar yeah. stuff. Um, I think when I was listening to the David Lee Roth stuff, I was kind of surprised at how samey it was. They've got three three types of song. And when they do it well, they fucking nail it. But there's like 15 versions of each one of those songs, yeah. and the ones that aren't amazing are they're fine. It's like it's yeah, it's a Van Halen song, sure. Um, and so if you're listening through, especially if you're listening all in a row, by the time you get to like "Diver Down" and you're listening to the fifth time they've tried to recreate "Ain't Talking About Love," yeah. it's like <laughs> oh, okay, sure, yeah. Yeah, and same with the Hagar stuff too. It's like I think the first Hagar album is actually really good, but then after that, it's just like they Rinse try. And repeat. Yeah, the thing with them is undeniably talented, right? Undeniably ten, Halen,
0: year, ten years ahead of everyone else who sounds like them. Yes. is ten years later. Yes. Yeah,
1: I I always I always say that um, before Van Halen every lead singer wanted to be Robert Plant. And after Van Halen, every lead singer wanted to be David Lee Roth. So it's like, it's, it's a very stark change. Um, Eddie Van Halen, obviously undeniably revolutionized everything, but like they were stuck. They were, they were this like high energy party band that at a certain point, you got to keep that energy going. And after a certain point, it just feels like they're trying so hard. Yep. To keep the energy up. Like I don't and know if you've so seen, tired. <laughs> yeah. Like the they kind of mellow out with the the Hagar stuff and it's like, yeah, we still like to have a good time, but we also have to think about our family and we, taxes we have more
0: we have mortgages at this Yeah, place. we have mortgages. <laughs> we, we we
1: uh party from three to five now. Right. <laughs> um and then like if you get to the Gary Sharon stuff, it's just like they're trying so hard to be capital v capital h van halen and it's just that was
0: just one album it's with exhausting, him though, right? Yeah. He had yeah. he had one album, yeah. Yeah. So it it was it was slightly it wasn't a letdown, but it was it was a for a band that I was expecting to be like walk away from uh, appreciating like new depths or something. It was actually mm. there's kind of they're obviously important, but their their discography is uh slightly lacking for a band that's so uh I would agree. powerful. Yeah. Like I I don't think
1: it would be tough for me to, like, sit down and listen through all the Van Halenels yeah. and just, like, really be into it. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right, we're done. Kandemar is next. We'll be back with Discovery. Check out all the other shows at com And otherwise, support the show at patreon.com slash Thank you very we, much for listening. We just lost Michael Anthony as a patron, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but he's got greatest backing vocals in rock and roll history, goes to yeah, goes to Yeah, that, that guy. dude dude's got pipes (laughs) thank you very much for listening we'll see you